You're listening to Inward with Rabbi Joey Rosenfeld on the Shefa Podcast Network. Join Rabbi Joey as he guides us through the world and major works of Kabbalah, Hasidic masters, and Jewish philosophy, shedding light on the inner life of the soul. Okay, so tonight, Be'ezrus Hashem, we're going to be continuing with our series of Shirim on Shabbos. And with last week being the last of the three Shirim on Arab Shabbos, we're now going to be transitioning Be'ezrus Hashem into the world of Shabbos itself. And the first of the three Shirim on the world of Shabbos itself is going to be the time of Leil Shabbos, the time of Friday night. Now, one of the unique elements of Friday night, in contradistinction to the experience of Shabbos day itself, is that Friday night is an expression of everything that we have spoken about in the last three weeks. That all of the yigiya and all of the process and all of the birurim and all of the clarifications and the doubts and all of the running around and chaos that we experience on Erev Shabbos itself, running until that limit point wherein the mundane week gives birth to Kedusha, all of that energy, all of that time awareness, all of that chaos of trying to re-enter into the garden is what animates the experience of Friday night. And while the holiness of Shabbos day, as we're going to see next week, is certainly of a higher valence and a higher value than Friday night itself, Friday night or Leil Shabbos has the additional power of the fact that it is not simply the light of Shabbos, but is the light of Shabbos that is born out of the contrast of the darkness of Erev Shabbos. And as we know from our Svarim HaKadoshim, even though perpetual light and perpetual pleasure, which we associate with the day of Shabbos itself, is desirable, in the sense that it is of a higher value than the night of Shabbos, when holiness and light are born out of their opposite, when confusion gives way to clarity so that clarity still tastes the bitter sting of the confusion that it is born out of, there is a certain magnification or intensification of the experience of holiness when it shares the boundary line with mundanity. So while Friday night and Lel Shabbos on almost all levels is of a lower ontological status than the day of Shabbos itself, nevertheless, Lel Shabbos is felt more acutely because it's born out of its opposite. It's born at that limit moment, that impossible point where Chol gives way to Kodesh and Kodesh holds within itself the residual energy that Chol had propelled it with. Now, This idea of Friday night, of Leil Shabbos being magnified and illuminated specifically because of the darker boundaries that it shares with Erev Shabbos 
and how we discussed last week, the entry into Shabbos itself is via of the nefesh, that almost anticipatory form of mourning that is aware that as I enter into the space of holiness, as I enter into the space of Kedusha, I also hold, on the other hand, the very natural awareness that this Kedusha won't last forever. And so, again, we see this duplicitous nature of Leil Shabbos, where on the one hand, it is the joy and the abiding menucha that descends upon a person. But on the other hand, that abiding menucha is energized by a certain friction that takes place at the core of the soul, a certain cognitive dissonance, if you will, that on the one hand, I want to fully abandon myself into the womb of Shabbos night. Yet on the other hand, I also have to be aware that soon Shabbos is going to end. And that duality of experience, those paradoxical movements within the self of running into Shabbos, yet retreating away from the grimace of Motzei Shabbos, which stands in our anxious minds as if it's already around, that movement forward and that movement backwards, that running and returning, that desire to connect and the need to disconnect is what gives birth to the two-step dance of the experience of Leil Shabbos, where it is on the one hand full presence, but it's a presence that is magnified with the awareness of an absence that stands at the ready to take presence as place, therefore propelling us to throw ourselves even stronger into presence. When it comes to discussing the elements of Leil Shabbos in a single shear, it's a little bit ridiculous, if not inappropriate. Um, for myself, the transition period, I used to say that my favorite time of the week was Motzei Shabbos, but what I've come to identify within myself, Lefianias Daiti, is that that transition moment of Kabbalah Shabbos, that time where the week melts into Shabbos, where that inner shift takes place within the spirit, where the eyes that looked at a deadened world during the mundanity of the week that become enlivened with the inner flames of the experience of Shabbos, that transition point to me has become the Kodesh HaKadoshim. Because one of the benefits of Leil Shabbos is that the burdensome nature of the week is still very present. A person enters into Shabbos not with their arms upright, not with their back straight and high as if we've experienced calmness throughout the week. But like we said in the second year, we enter into Shabbos with Hodu, like the Baal Shem Tov instituted that before Kabbalah Shabbos, it's necessary to say the Pismon of Hodu, the capital of Hodu, because Hodu is that place where we recognize the gratitude that we have to have to HaKadosh Baruch Hu for saving us from certain death. Meaning to say that the experience of the week is an experience of death. And the transition from the week into Shabbos is similar, like we've spoken about, to the transition from, light, from death into life. And when a person transitions from a moment of death into a moment of life that saves one from death, there's a certain relief to the spirit that is able to finally exhale to the extent that on a certain level, the entirety of Leil Shabbos is one long krechs, it's one long exhaled sigh a sigh that emerges within the spirit when it realizes, wow, I really came pretty close to losing it. I really came pretty close to losing my mind, my heart, my emotional capacity to control myself in the face of anger and chaos and fear and all of the different things that bite during the week. 
but to choose one element of Leil Shabbos to speak about in order to try and encapsulate what I would like to try and point out, we're going to focus on the idea that Leil Shabbos, and this is going to be the title of this year, is a time of reversal. It's a time where that which is typically considered lower on the spiritual hierarchy of needs, that which is considered more mundane, more broken down, more darkened, in relationship to that which is considered higher and more spiritual and loftier, is in truth going to be shown to have a reversed relationship. That what we thought was higher is in truth lower, and what we find as lower is in truth higher. Because Leil Shabbos is the time that transvaluation point where our very earthly experience, our experience as human beings in human bodies, in the world of human engagement with all of the vicissitudes and the pleasantness that comes about with that, that we find on Leil Shabbos that there's a certain elevated status that being human offers, that living in Shamayim, that remaining in the supernal realms of unity could never offer us. It's a time where we reveal to ourselves and to HaKadosh Baruch Hu that being down here in the dredges of existence, in that lowest place where no place can be lower than it while still maintaining the light of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that place which we've referred to in the name of the Balhatanya as the Choyshech Kaful Umechupel, that double darkness that has doubled over itself to the point that even when you move forward through one layer of concealment in hopes of finding light, ultimately you find another doubled layer of concealment, or that Nakuda that Rabbi Nachman referred to as Gehenim itself, or what the Rashash of Shalom Sharabi's Chusia Ganalenu referred to as Betoich Me'oi Denachash, that place that exists within the belly of the snake. That place, that Pratayoter Mufura Chayachalaparet, that most particularized, particular to the point that there can be no more particularization in the language of the Leshem, that place where we experience all of what it means to be human is in truth of a higher and loftier spiritual value than to be in Shamayim, than to be in that place of supernal light, of clarity, that living in a world of doubt and living in a world of confusion and all of the things we described about Erev Shabbos gives us the power to reveal to ourselves the true secret of what the Balatanya quotes in the name of Chazal in the 36th parak of Tanya, that the entire purpose of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's infinite desire to create the world was that Ratzah HaKadosh Baruch Hu lihiyos lo dira that what Hashem truly desired, so to speak, is to have a dwelling place in the nether regions. That it wasn't enough for Hashem to exist in supernal infinitude without any distinction or distraction or concealment that moved against that infinitude. But rather, Hashem's true desire, Kav Yachol, was to emerge from within concealment itself in the Tachtainim Mamish, in that lowest point of experience, with all of our anxiety and all of our fear and all of our hopelessness and all of our inner turmoil and outer turmoil and our despair and our joys and the human pleasures that emerge from this space and the connections and the relationships that we can have out of the transiency of what it means to be human, that is where HaKadosh Baruch Hu wanted to plant himself. Ba'asi Lagani, that I have finally arrived in my garden. That Leil Shabbos is the revelation that the true garden of HaKadosh Baruch Hu is down here in this world. 
Now, this idea is representative of an older conversation, one that on a certain level for the modern consciousness lacks a certain emphatic nature. It's, it lacks its evocative nature because the concepts that this machlokes go through are somewhat foreign to many of us. But if we penetrate a little bit deeper into this conversation amongst the Rishonim and all of the Tzadikim, we can find a little bit more of an insight into Lel Shabbos. There's a conversation amongst the Rishonim as to who maintains a superior spiritual level. Is it human beings to be human? Or what is referred to as malachim, angelic forces, celestial forces, now, according to the Arizal, whose yard said it was last night, angelic forces are representative of modes of spiritual functioning. They're, they're cogs within the ontological makeup of being. They're not necessarily the angelic personas that we're used to from cultural appropriations of the nature of malachim, but rather they represent parts within the machine, functional parts that HaKadosh Baruch Hu has placed within reality to allow for the interface and the interaction between infinity and finitude. And some of these angelic forces are more familiar to us, Elio Hanavi, and different sugyos within the Arizal and Kabbalah, especially the Kabbalah of the Vilnagon when it comes to the Malach of Matat. But the question is, who maintains a loftier spiritual value? Is it the malachim who exist in the clarified light of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, never doubting, never desiring, never lacking, but rather standing at the ready in the space of pure revelation? Or is it the human being who finds themselves thrown into distress and finds themselves thanking Hashem for saving our lives at almost every moment that we have a mindfulness enough to be aware of what we go through? The question is, which element maintains a loftier spiritual value, the human being and all of their vicissitudes, or the angelic forces, the world of the malachim in their different iterations, in their experience of the bliss of the revelation of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Now, one of the first places that we see one of the full expressions of Chazal when it comes to this is when it comes to Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Raya Mehemna, the tzaddik of all of Bnei Yisrael, the tzaddik who is within all of Bnei Yisrael. Each of us are a part of Moshe. And when Moshe Rabbeinu is told by HaKadosh Baruch Hu to come and receive the Torah, Chazal and Masech Shabbos, and there's a reason, like Rav Tzaddik teaches us, that these ideas associated with Agadita are associated with the specific Masech that they're found in. So if this conversation about who is loftier than whom, the malachim or the human or the human or the malach, the fact that it's found in Masech Shabbos makes it clear that Shabbos plays a fundamental role in giving us the true answer to this question. Moshe Rabbeinu says to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, he says, Hashem, uh, I'm, not ready, I'm not ready to receive the Torah. The malachim don't want me to receive the Torah. Ma'lu yulad isha beinenu. How could it be that a man born of woman is here, up here in the celestial realms with us, say the malachim? And Hashem gives a suggestion to Moshe and he says, Moshe, respond to them. Show them your worthiness of receiving the Torah. And Moshe says, I don't know what to say. And Hashem says, I'll give you the words to say. How will you prove your worthiness? 
you will claim that you die, you're susceptible to sin, you're susceptible to jealousy and to desires that can lead you astray from the direct path of essentiality that you're meant to live with. And so Moshe responds to the Malachim and he says, I am a human being, I am fallible, I am broken, I am susceptible to brokenness, I am imperfect, even in my perfection I am imperfect. And it's specifically those human deficiencies that give us access to the Torah. Those human deficiencies, that brokenness that the human being is forced to experience in this world is ultimately Moshe Rabbeinu's proof as to why we deserve the Torah over and above the Malachim. So what comes out, out of this Gemara is that the very nature of human fallibility, the very nature of human frailty and vulnerability and brokenness and anxiety and fear and longing and all of the beautiful broken things that make us human, that very place, that brokenness is the very site where we are capable of revealing our ascendancy over those spiritual beings of the Malachim. So that as Chazal and our Rabbanim and our Tzadikim try and show how even though the Malachim experience a level of divine revelation in whatever sense that means in a way that is unthought of by human beings, even though the Malachim are capable of a sustained spiritual experience to the point that they are referred to as oimdim, as standing creatures that are not susceptible to change, which is born out of a shifting of experiences, which on the one hand can be seen as loftier than human experience. Nevertheless, the very fabric of humanity, which is the back and forth, the to and fro, the running and returning, the moving from one place to another, hoping that we've arrived at our destination only to recognize that we have to embark to find our new destination. The fact that human beings are referred to as holchim, as people who walk, that is the very site where human beings reveal their ascendancy over Malachim. Because it's one thing to reveal HaKadosh Baruch Hu without any distortion. It's one thing to reveal HaKadosh Baruch Hu in the world of Atsilus, in the world where there's only Oros, where even the Kalim are revealed to be Oros. But that's not such a Chiddush. That's not such a novelty. There's nothing too surprising about a Malach's capacity to reveal HaKadosh Baruch Hu, because there's no darkness, there's no anxiety, there's no fear, there's no daily news, there's no exposure to the sordid history of history itself. But when a human being, a Yulad Isha, someone who is running and returning, moving back and forth, day in and day out, a thousand times a day, like Rabbi Nachman HaKadosh teaches us, when we can draw the light of HaKadosh Baruch Hu down into the vicissitudes of human experience itself, in the Tatach Toinim itself, that's a Chiddush. That's the Tosefes Kishut that Rav Yitzchak Meyer Morgenstern Shlita speaks so often about, who unlike any other tzaddik has come to the world to teach us. That it's specifically down here in the brokenness of all things, in that world of Pirut and separation and darkness, that we have the capacity of revealing a deeper disclosure of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's potency. With that being said, we can enter in to the world of Leil Shabbos. In Kabbalah Shabbos, something that the Arizal instituted, Rav Yitzchak Luria Without Rav Yitzchak Luria, without the Arizal, we would have nothing. We would have quite literally nothing. 
the revelations of Moshe Rabbeinu, the revelations of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. Without the Arizal, we wouldn't have a Baal Shem Tov HaKadosh. We wouldn't have a Rabbi Nachman. The transition of Panimiya Satora from the Yechide Hadoros would have stopped. The Arizal, who lived a very short amount of time, instituted one of the most fundamental elements of the Shabbos experience, which is Kabbalah Shabbos. And as Chazal tell us, when the Tanoim were ready to be Makabel Shabbos, they would say, Let us go outside to receive the face of the Kala, to receive the face of the Shekhinah, to receive the face of the Bride. As it was instituted in the space of Svat, in that holy perpetual dusk air of Svat, that blueness that allows a person to breathe, we said in our introduction to the Shirim, on Rabbi Nachman that the entire edifice of Rabbi Nachman's project was to learn how to breathe. As Rabbi Nachman Moharan teaches to his students when you leave here and they ask you, what have you accomplished? Tomru ruach, tell them that you learned to breathe. Any breath that Rabbi Nachman tried to teach to his chassidim is the natural breath of that blue air of svat that world of Bina, that place of secrecy, where even that which is revealed is secret. You can walk the same street in Svat, and you can have walked it a thousand times, and every time you walk it, it seems that each door and each pathway beckons a person to another secret that has not been revealed yet, which is why Svas is Meloshon Tzafun, Ma'arav Tuvcha Asher How good is the goodness that is concealed for those who fear you. Svat, on the one hand, is rooted in the tzafon, in the depths of the north, which the Zohar HaKadosh refers to as severe and dark. Yet on the other hand, it allows us to experience the depth of light that has been revealed in this world. And what the Arizal taught to his chassidim, taught to his chavraya kadisha, was to how, be, how to be Makabel Shabbos. And what they would do is they would leave their shul and they would walk outside into the Sadeh, into the field to be Makabel Shabbos. And the Arizal in his Kavonos of Leil Shabbos speaks very much of this transition from the bias out into the Sadeh, out into the holy field, that stay tapuchin kadishin, that field, that orchid of holy apples. When we look in Chazal, when we look in the teachings of our masters, Rabbi Nachman has a teaching on this, there's an ascendancy of experience. There's the experience of a har, of a mountain, which Avram Avinu experienced, the tefillah in the form of a har. There's the experience on the level of a sadeh, of a field that Yitzchak experienced, which is vayetze Yitzchak lasuach basadeh, that Yitzchak went out and prayed in the field. And then as we elevate ourselves beyond the field experience, we enter into the bias. We enter into the house, which is kibesi-based tefillah. That's Keneged Yaakov Avinu. So we see that the progression and transition from lower to higher is from the har, from the mountain, to the field, then finally to the home. But on Friday night, we see something different. We see a reversal of order. We see that we leave the house to enter into the field. And herein lies the secret of Leil Shabbos, that 
we usually experience the bias as that place of Kedusha. The bias is the place where all things are arranged, where everything is clear. But on Leil Shabbos, we go back into the field. We go back into that space of chaos. We move back from Yaakov into Yitzchak, from Rachamim into Gvura, because we're showing that even though the Sadeh, even though the field is a little bit lower than the home, nevertheless, that lower element of the Sadeh offers us an, a hitherto unrevealed spiritual capacity. Because what we're revealing on Leil Shabbos is how the lower level contains within itself an even higher level. And that the capacity to go back into the field, to leave that which is familiar, and to begin to embrace a new light that was hitherto unknown to us, entering into that confusion of the field, that is the power of Leil Shabbos. It's specifically in the descent away from the home into the field, which is a degradation of levels, that we have the ability to reveal on Leil Shabbos that the degradation of levels is the very thing that reveals the elevated status of the lower level. That all of the outside, all of the confusion, all of the anxiety, all of the things that go bump in the night that are associated with the Gvura of Yitzchak and that Sadeh experience are transformed and revealed to be a true higher sight of the ability to reveal HaKadosh Baruch Hu. As we said, that Leil Shabbos is the experience of taking the lower and revealing that it's higher. What we say after Kabbalah Shabbos, and again, to, we can spend weeks and weeks and weeks discussing the Mizmoirim and the Minhagim and the Avoida of Leil Shabbos, but we're trying to truncate this so it allows us to continue moving forward. One of the things that the Arizal instituted as well is that after Kabbalah Shabbos, before the transition into Marev, at least the Minhag of Svard, is to recite the Kapitel from the Zohar, the Nakuda from the Zohar of Kigavna. Of Kigavna de'inen mityachten be'echad, le'ela be'echad, oif hachi yachedes le'tata be'echad. Raza de Shabbos te'ihu Shabbos. That that Kapitel in the Zohar from Parshas Truma the Kigavna Nikuda in the Zohar is exactly this Nikuda. What that Zohar HaKadosh is describing, as we're going to see explicitly in the words of Rabbi Nassim, is the fact that in the secret of Yichud, Hashem exists in Yichud. Hashem doesn't need the lower world. Everything is elevated. Everything is pure. Kulam Kedoshim. By the Malachim, everything is good. But HaKadosh Baruch Hu won't allow that Yichud to take place until we create the Yichud down here. Just as they are unified above in oneness and in unity, so too do they experience the secret of unity down here. And when a person learns that capital, and it's possible, that if there's interest, we'll have an extra shear at the end going through the entire capital of Kagavna, which is a, a suggestion that I received from a very close friend. But the entire concept of Kigavna is how the upper unity, the unity of the Malachim, the unity of clarity, the unity where all things are clear, is tolui and contingent upon the unity that we create down here that Hashem will not reveal his unity above Kav Yachol until we acknowledge the unity down here. Beraza de Hashem echad ushmo echad. In the secret of Hashem is one above, 
but we create the oneness of his name down here. We're the ones who need Hashem's name. We're the ones who need a name to call out in the states of our howling solitude and our brokenness. But it's specifically the unity that we make down here, which allows for the unity above. That's the secret of Shabbos. Raza de Shabbos de Ihu Shabbos. That the secret of Shabbos is that our experience down here in the nether realms, in the brokenness, in the confusion, in the sadeh itself, is what gives birth to the unity in the upper realms. That without the human experience down here and all of its vicissitudes, the malachim have absolutely nothing to do. That's the secret of Kigavna. As Rabbi Nassim of Nimerov writes as follows, this is in Lekutei Halachos Choyshein Mishpat Chelak Beis, it took me a very long time to find this. I had read it on Shabbos months ago, and it registered, and I folded the page, and it took me more effort than it usually takes to find, so I'm very excited to read these words inside. This is in Hilchas Prika V'Te'ina Halacha Dalid Ois Chaf And this is what we say on Shabbos, on the seventh day that God ascended and sat on his chair of holiness. Because the essential revelation of the simple unity comes about on Shabbos. And that is the element of Hashem sitting on his chair. And this is what we mean when we say in the Zohar HaKadosh that Hashem is unified above, but he will not sit on his chair of unity to be referred to as one until we engage in unity down here. The Chol Mamar HaKadosh and that entire holy statement by the Zohar that we say, says Rabbi Nassan, at the time of entering into Shabbos, pay very close attention and understand the deep and wondrous hints that come out of there. Because everything that that statement in the Zohar is coming to teach us is that that unity above, that simple unity above, that Achdus HaPashut, is only possible out of the Pu'ulos HaMishtanos Lamata that the unity above is only born out of the confusion and the changing colors and the anxiety of down here. Because it's specifically down here that we have the capacity to reveal the unity of God above. And that the revelation of God's unity above is contingent and dependent upon our capacity to reveal him down here. Because when we reveal him down here, through all of the confusion and darkness, that's how we give birth to the true unity above. That the Achdus HaPashit, that true simple unity of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, is only born out of the Pu'ulos HaMishtanos. Within this world, Daika specifically, it's specifically in the encounter intuitive experience of darkness down here, on Leil Shabbos, that we reveal the ascendancy of this world. That's how we allow HaKadosh Baruch Hu to arrive in this world, specifically by encountering darkness which is why the entire experience of Leil Shabbos is the experience of revealing how being here in this world, eating food, speaking to our families, resting even when we don't feel the capacity to rest, those human engagements is the very fabric, the very nature of Leil Shabbos. The Yichud of Shabbos hasn't arrived until the day of Shabbos. The night of Shabbos is the time where as human beings we force ourselves to enter into that Chakal Tapuchin Kadishin, that world of Malchusa Kadisha, the Shechina, the world of this worldliness. And we show that this world has the ability to show a deeper level of power of Kedusha than even the highest worlds. With this, we can begin to understand some of the Minhagim that we engage in when it comes to Leil Shabbos. 
Chazal tell us that when we walk home from shul, when we walk back from that sadeh, back into the bias, once we've become aware that the sadeh, the outside contains a certain potency of kedusha that the inside can never reveal, we're ready to enter back into the home, into those candlelights that illuminate the eyes as we're going to see. And Chazal tell us that we're accompanied home by two angelic forces, which the Kamarna Rebbe, Rabbi Nachman, point out, all of our tzaddikim point out, are really two parts of ourselves, our Yetzirah and our Yetzir Tov. And there's a test that we're going to go through, that on the left side is the negative kind of concealing angel, on the right side is going to be that level of relevatory experience. And both of them accompany us home, waiting to see what happens when we open that door to our home. If they look inside and they see a home that is not prepared for Shabbos, chas v'shalom, a home that is not ready to experience that light and redemption and therapeutic experience of Shabbos, then the Malach Tov, the good angel, that source of goodness within our lives, bends its head in shame, and the Malach Ra curses it. The Malach Ra, that negative force, says, look how pitiful these individuals are. But if the table is set and the candles are lit, Malach Tov gives a bracha, the good angel gives a bracha, and then Chazal adds something that they didn't say earlier. And they say, Malach Ra Yomer Amen Bal Korcho. Malach Ra Yomer Amen Bal Korcho. That the negative angel is going to be forced against its will to admit to Kedusha. Now, why isn't it enough for the positive angel to give a blessing and for the negative angel to leave? The secret of this matter is that the secret of Leil Shabbos is forcing negativity to admit to light, is forcing that outside nature of the Malach Ra, that outside nature of concealment and all of the things that go bump in our souls and our hearts and in our minds and in our world, that when they see the candles of Shabbos burning, when they see the table set for Shabbos, when they realize the power of Leil Shabbos, even negativity is forced to acknowledge the power of positivity. And by way of negativity, we give birth to a double level of Kedusha. Because now not only is the positive angel admitting to the good, but even the negative angel and those forces of concealment are forced to acknowledge the power of the Jewish people that the Malach is forced to recognize that it is specifically through the human effort itself that these human beings give birth to a higher level of Kedusha that we're not accessible to. And when we come home, we sing, Shalom Aleichem, Malachi Ashares. Welcome, Malachim. Welcome, welcome to our holy abode. Welcome to the space of Kedusha that we experience, that we transform this world in all of its fielded nature and all of its brokenness and concealment. We reveal the true power. Welcome, look at us, see what we're doing. But then before we make Kiddush, we say, we tell the Malachim to leave. Now certain Minhagim won't even say that because they think it's a disrespect. But on a certain level, the holiness of Leil Shabbos is a holiness that the Malachim don't have access to. They have to leave because when a Jew makes Kiddush on physical wine, when a Jew makes Kiddush on a silver coast that is made out of gross material, 
when a Jew sits down and looks at all of the bread and the food and all of the human physicality, at that point, the Malach has no capacity to bear that Kedusha. And that's why we say Tzitzchem L'Shalom. Chazal tell us in Kesubah's Tav Kuf Gimel Amin Aleph that Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi, Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi would come down on Leil Shabbos in whatever sense that means, in whatever halachic concept it means, as the Sefer Hasidim discusses. He would come and he would be Yotze his family in Kiddush on Leil Shabbos. And I heard from one of my Rebbeim that I had the schus, the schus shaloy lefi hamasa, a wondrous schus to sit at his feet for a long amount of time. Rav Matil Zilber Shlita, the Stachina Rebbe, and when commenting on this Gemara, he said that the reason Rabbi Yehuda Anasi wanted to come down from Gan Eden back to his home on Friday night is because on Friday night, there's a certain revelation that this world is even higher than Gan Eden. That Rabbi Yehuda Anasi came down to be Yotze, his family for Kiddush, because the holiness of a Jewish home on Friday night, in whatever context it recognizes Friday night, is of a loftier value than the experience in the supernal realms of Kedusha. Because there's no dimyon, there's no similarity between a light that is born out of darkness and a darkness that admits to light and a light that is simply without any distortion. What we experience on the Shabbos is an opening of our eyes. During the week, as our tzaddikim point out, Rav Itchemeyer Morgenstern speaks about this very, very often, we need to engage the world with a stimud inen, a stimasa a closing of the eyes, that the world is so unbearable sometimes, the world is so overwhelming sometimes, that we need to close our eyes to it. Now that's a level above the opened eyes of a person who lives only focusing on the outside of the world. But in order to access Kedusha during the week, we have to close our eyes, we have to live internally, ignoring the world ignoring the reality of brokenness of the world. But on Friday night, as the Arizal points out already in the Kavanos, we should have our eyes open. We should look at the words of tefillah. Because on Friday night, there's a certain elevation to this world that we can look at it. And it's not a stira, it's not a contradiction to holiness, but rather it's a tool and it's a vessel that reveals holiness itself. All of the struggles, all of the lamentas malachos that we worked through and toiled through during the week are transformed into oires of tal, into lights of dew, supernal dew that descends from on high into our minds, allowing us to see the elevation of the world within our own bodies. When we look into the Kiddush cup, when we place our eyes during the iteration of the Kiddush, which is 70 words, which is the gematria of ayin, the nature of the eye, our job is to look deeply into the coast, look deeply into the darkness of that wine, and to give eyes to it. The Zohar HaKadosh tells us in Parshat Mishpatim that this world, Malchus, is referred to as a princess devoid of eyes a beautiful maiden who has no eyes, Ulamta Shapirta Dleispa Einen. And the Tzadikim of Ishbitz, the Meishilayach, and the Beis Yaakov, and the Said Yesharim, and all of the Tzadikim of Ishbitz and Radzin teach throughout their writings that the avoid of looking into the Kos and Kiddush is to look at that darkened wine, to look at a world that appears void of meaning, to look at that darkness, to gaze into the abyss, so to speak, and to give vision to it, to say that 
I am now giving the eyes to the darkness of the world. I am the eyes of the world. I have the ability to gaze into the darkness and reveal how the darkness itself becomes a vessel for light. That is the gift of Shabbos. That is the gift of Kiddush on Leil Shabbos. And the Malachim have no shaykhs there. That is what the Arizal means when we say that we elevate Yehudim from a place of Rechuk on Leil Shabbos. We elevate things that were foreign out of Kedusha because it's specifically by engaging the darkness of Leil Shabbos, of this world, that we have the capacity of elevating this world. Rabbi Nachman says in Torah Reish Ayin Vav that Chazal tell us that when a person walks very quickly, when a person has a psiagasa, when a person runs around in this world chaotic and anxious, they lose their eyesight. We can't see things properly. We're afraid to look. The grimace of the real, the reality of the world is too overwhelming, so we shut our eyes. And we lose our ability to see that way. We lose our ability to see Hashem in this world. And we're forced to only believe in Hashem in the next world. And Toisve says in that place, on that Gemara, that when a person looks into the coast of Kiddush, they retain and they regain their eyesight again. Which is why Rabbi Nachman says, the Pizmoin says, one of the Shiram and the Zmiros of Leil Shabbos is Paisim Katana, that we walk small steps on Shabbos. Because on Shabbos, we don't have to run around. We're not afraid of the world. We're not afraid of what we see because we realize with opened eyes, with a psicha sa'enin, with an opening of our eyes, that there's kedusha everywhere. That the darkness that we experience, the concealment that we experience is only there for us to be mekadeshit, to recognize that there's a kiddush to be made on this world, as long as we're willing to look at it. Part of the experience of Shabbos night that I experience is the experience that is in the blood of my family. My Saba, Shusiyag and Aleinu, wrote a book about his experience in Chist, in his time when he was associated with Satmar before the war and after the war. And one of the most poignant pages, and I'm going to post it afterwards, is describing the memory of Friday night in his home. And he describes it as his father, Rav David, Rav David von Chust, Rav David Rosenfeld, Hashem Yim Komdomo, a Ben Bayis by Rav Yailish, someone who had gifts and received gifts from the Atzechayim, an incredibly holy soul. Any word of Torah that I have to say comes from him and his family, and my namesake, his son Yailish, Hashem Yim Komdomo. And my Saba records in his book that the experience of Leil Shabbos was one of longing one of desire, one of painful songs of beauty. It was a love as strong as death. It was an awareness, my Saba says, that while the raging waters are still there outside, in this home right now, it's Shabbos. And out of the flickering lights of the candlelight, that light that illuminates the eyes, it was the willingness to abandon oneself and to believe in the elevated status of being in this world. To recognize like the tzaddikim of Ishbitz teach us, 
that even though even though it would have been easier for a person to have not been created, nevertheless, it doesn't say mutav. It doesn't say that it would have been better not to be created. Because by being created, we get to experience Lel Shabbos. We get to make Kiddush. We get to gaze into that void and give it eyes. To give HaKadosh Baruch Hu a body in this world, Kavyachol. To create this world in all of its darkness and to transform it into light. And to show the Malachim that at the end of the day, our true elevated status is that we can take negativity and force it to admit to light. And Be'ezra Sashem, what we're going to enter into next week is going to be the experience of Shabbos day where the Yichud is more revealed. And because it's more revealed, it's felt a little bit less consciously and more internally. And Be'ezra Sashem will continue marching our way down into the Nakuda of Shabbos to give us hopefully a little bit of a taste of what Shabbos has to offer us. This podcast is supported in part from a grant from the Hadar Institute. The music is by Zusha. The audio engineer is David Kwan. For more from the Shefa Podcast Network, visit our Facebook page and please subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts.